This is episode number 12, and my name is Henry. And this is Brayden. And uh, unfortunately today, Chloe could not make it. She's got school and a lot of other things going on, so she won't be here with us today, but hopefully she'll be back next week as well as maybe some guests as well for for it. But we're also going to be talking about Good Time, and then we're going to be doing a retro review of David O. Russell's The Fighter. From 2010, just because that's another film about battling brothers, uh, and it's so it's going to be a good show. And we also have some big Star Wars news to talk about, as well as some mail and some other good stuff. So it's going to be fun. But first of all, do want to mention the Steven Soderbergh show is up now on Bandcamp, and the link is in the show notes, and you can access it through thefilmbuds.com. But if you just want to go directly to it. It's thefilmbuds.bandcamp.com, and you can just pay a minimum donation of a dollar, and you get five uh, Steven Soderbergh reviews, uh, you know, a very stream, streamlined show, and it donating helps support the show, so we all always appreciate it. And thank you to all the people who have downloaded it already. That's awesome. And so, yeah, that's up right now, and again, if you need the link, it's it's in the show notes. And let's see, anything else going on to mention? Uh, I did go to the uh, amazing Green Day show this past Friday. It was absolute hell getting there because we had these huge storms. Took about twice as long to get there. Just heavy traffic, brutal. Yeah, I was going to say, it was raining pretty heavily. What was that, last Friday? Yeah. You went, yeah, and that's that, that had to have been brutal because yeah. it's not easy driving out there, even in good weather. Mm-hmm. And then my... F- about halfway there, my phone started to die, started to run out of gas. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so it was just absolute agony getting there. But the show itself was incredible. Um, everyone on, on stage was amazing, and it was uh, one of the best experiences I've had in a long time. But uh, And so I definitely want to see him again. And if you happen to be uh, one of the people who went and saw it, then let me know. Or have seen another show, and I'd love to hear it from you well but i did when i was working at the shop this weekend at least two guys came in wearing shirts from the concert and they had gone oh really yeah one of them had the shirt that i wanted didn't get that one but that's okay and well, you can always look online i'm sure there's somewhere ebay or... I've, I've been looking all over the place can't find it huh. it's horrible but yeah it was an awesome time and i loved loved being there but and then brain how are you doing man same old, same old. Yeah. Same old, same old. Uh, I I wish there I wish there were something more more exciting to say, but not in this slightest. Yeah. Oh well, we can mention that. So I did a double bill of Ingrid Goes West and Good Time yesterday, uh, and I was in uh, had just sat down in in the theater for Good Time. No one else there, and who would pop up but Brayden? Yeah. So. Uh, and we were the only two in the theater. And Go so, figure. Yeah. So that was fun. Grosses everywhere have been just terrible. Yeah. I mean, just, just awful. I don't know how this past weekend was, but again, I think, as we mentioned last time, uh, the weekend before, the previous weekend, was 
the worst box office grosses nationally uh, in something like 16 years. Yeah. So things have just been pretty abysmal all around, which is mm-hmm. which is a shame because there's no. I don't think there's necessarily a shortage of good films. I mean, Good Time. We'll, we'll discuss that, and I don't want to give away too too much, but good. It's a it's a film worth watching. It's in the good. Theater. Good time is good. Uh, it's it's good. <laughs> um, bunch of stuff. I mean, the trip to Spain, which the trip series, nobody seems to know it, but it's it's a it's it's a gem. Mm-hmm. Everybody should go watch them. They're yeah. great. They're spectacular. Uh, Rob Brydon and, and Steve Coogan together are spectacular. Amazing, yeah. Um, and all the other stuff that we've talked about before, uh, Wind River. Um, and then Ingrid goes west, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But that's another good one from Sundance. So. so there's some good stuff out there. It's just not the big budget things. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've got it coming up this weekend, and so that's going to give a pretty significant bump to grosses. Not that we're going to see anything about that at Chelsea because that's not our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So that's unfortunate. But um, I don't know. We've got Oscar season coming up in another roughly month is when it's going to start. And uh, so hopefully something will happen then. Uh, Battle of the Sexes is coming up. Yeah, could be interesting. It could be interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of what are some of the other uh, big Oscar containers coming out this year. Well, we still need to see a trailer from Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. Still, oh, still no trailer for that yet. Yeah, so. he's he's an odd. He's he always plays things a little tight to the vest. I think. Yeah, uh, but um. Yeah, we've got Oscar season coming up, so hopefully that'll give that'll give the uh, theater business more generally, the Chelsea specifically, but the theater business in general, a bit of a bump. But um, I don't know. It's just it's always disheartening to see the grosses after a slow weekend because I mean it's you know people directors are making great films, mm-hmm. actors are still out there doing you know, great performances, giving great performances and everything else about the films, you know, is, is so polished technically, artistically, but it's just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand why there's been such a drop in people want to go watch fucking TV, you know? Well, I mean, that's, that's part of it is, is, you know, uh, Netflix and now you've got all these other streaming services that have followed sort of the same model. Uh, Amazon, Hulu, God, I don't even know what voodoo I guess voodoo, voodoo, Hulu. Well, there's Hulu, yeah, but um, then there's voodoo. something else, VUHDU. Right? And then App- Apple actually just on right. article, Apple and Amazon are now in the running for the James Bond rights. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, but then um, we've got Disney in another two years, which is probably going to gut Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Although, I mean, Netflix is doing some of their own decent content now, but nonetheless, that's going to be a pretty significant blow mm-hmm. to Netflix, I know. So, there's that. There's the fact that all these premium cable channels are doing big, epic series. You know, lots of... Uh, you don't necessarily need a studio backing you to have access to high-end uh, visual effects now. Mm-hmm. You know, you just watch Game of Thrones and she's riding around on giant dragons and you go well that used to be the domain of purely film you know i'm thinking of going uh what was that back in the 1980s good god what was that dragon dragon hunter or something like that i think so yeah the disney film yeah um 
But I mean, uh, giant. I just think of all the films, the giant dragon films, and then there was the other one, Dragon, Dragon Soul, Dragon something. The one Sean Connery provided the voice for the dragon. Oh, I don't think I saw that. Oh, uh, it, it was a series. It was all pretty bad. But, yeah. But again, you know, all these films were big dragons flying around, and that used to be film only because only studios could afford the budget. But now, you know. Um, now TV studios are able to to do that, and so you got all these series that are rivaling films, um, and they're longer, more 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 character development, more plot development, happening over multiple multiple years, multiple seasons, and so I don't know. Anyhow, point being, it's had a, a deleterious effect on on theater going. Yeah, and it saddens me, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, hopefully it and movies like Mother and those will jump the box office up some. Hopefully. Yeah. I don't know if Mother's... I mean, Jennifer Lawrence might be the draw for that one, so... Maybe, but it seems like stars just don't have quite as much of a draw as they used to. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, Wind River, you've got Jeremy Renner, although I... Well, him, Elizabeth Olsen, I don't know if they're quite the big names that Jennifer Lawrence is. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there that you would think somebody like this, you know, big A-list star would pull in a lot of, a lot of people, but then sometimes it just, they just fall flat. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely a lot of good stuff out there, but, and I think that the ones I've just been seeing recently are quite good. And so there's definitely good stuff out there if you're. If you don't know, or if you're unaware, you should check out some of these indie movies that are out, because they're, they're worth giving a look. Uh, but with that said, let's... Anything else you want to say before we jump into a good time? No. No? No. All right, well, uh, let's talk about good time, and we have a clip. Let's take a listen. Jesse, I gotta come clean with you about something. What? So I told you about my brother, yeah? told you about the program he's forced to attend and how he shouldn't be there. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Do you understand that? No. Nope. Something happened. I don't know exactly what. My brother's been arrested. He's being held at Rikers Island. He could get killed in there. Sorry, I just have a client that walked in. We're good? When you get another 10 grand, your brother will get out. Where are you? How much money can you get right now? Come on, bro. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? What do you think I'm doing this for? I want to get him out tonight. Good Time is directed by Benny Safdie and Josh Safdie. And, or Safdie, stars Robert Pattinson, uh, Benny Safdie as well, Jennifer Jason Lee, and then Barkat Abdi. And the plot synopsis is a bank robber finds himself unable to evade his pursuers. A little basic there. That's pretty basic, yeah. yeah. Definitely more of a film about brothers than the plot synopsis is saying. In a sense, um, I don't know really to what extent it's about brothers because obviously the, the, the connection between Constantine and Nicholas, it's there. And there's love, but I mean, it got to the. It starts off in uh, 
looking at the, 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 the fraternal relationship between the two of them, but then I think that sort of quickly falls by the wayside, and it's more more a study of this Constantine, uh, Nick, what is his, Nikus. Yeah, Nikus. Constantine Nikus, mm-hmm. uh, who is just the absolute worst sort of self-interested human being out I mean he's just awful mm-hmm. and the whole film is essentially everybody that gets caught in his wake is destroyed yeah I mean that's 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 not even even though most of the people he encounters are not good people either no they're not you they're know, all luckily. pretty they're all pretty you know I don't want to say necessarily reprehensible but they're all they're all not the, the, the greatest of people I mean although you know the security guard yeah right played by Barkhad Abdi um He's just a security guard. He, mm-hmm. he does security. There's nothing really terrible about him. But yeah, everybody else is pretty, pretty sketchy. Pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, I enjoyed the movie a good bit. I didn't love it like I feel like some people I know did, and it's definitely getting a lot of praise, mm-hmm. at least from critics. Mm-hmm. And I I really enjoyed the first act in particular, where you really have the the dynamic of Robert Pattinson's character and his brother, who's I guess has some form of mental handicap, like yeah, autism. He's got some sort of learning disability. Yeah, or, autism, yeah. something like that. And I love their dynamics, and because while the Robert Pattinson character is not really that good, you can still see that he cares for his brother, even though he does all these things that gets him in trouble. Yeah. And so it's very gray, a big gray area in that sense. But I love their. Anytime they were doing something together, I loved. But then I, there's a point where, I mean, it's not in the synopsis, but you see it in the trailer. The uh, Pattinson's brother gets put in jail after a bad bank robbery, and then he disappears for most of the film. And mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed with that because I was hoping it would be more about those two together. And so it's mostly just Robert Pattinson on a kind of a journey through the underworld in a sense and i was it just kind of at times it meandered a little much that i was not really that interested in and then indulged with characters that didn't really have a big say in the story that's one thing that sort of lost me is i think you're right the first the first part where there's more interaction i mean particularly with his brother uh and there are there were a few glimmers of that in the second part like the, the the bit where they're in the security guard's apartment after they've beaten the tar out of him, dosed him up with horrible acid, and then mm-hmm. essentially taken his belongings and moved into his apartment to have sort of headquarters for all this, you know, dealing stuff that they've got going on. Yeah. Um, but at that point, he and that other fellow, Trevor, I think his name was, the guy that he broke out of the hospital thinking yeah. it was his brother, and then it's not his brother. And I mean, that guy who's horrible just mm-hmm. a terrible person mm-hmm. uh the just the the conversation that two the, the two of them have and um i thought that was really interesting it gave some insight into the character and so there were a few bits of this really remarkable interaction i mean the dialogue is great when there's oh, dialogue yeah. in the film but it's very it's very terse it's very sparse mm-hmm. there's not a lot of uh interactive moments in the film um and yeah, I mean the second half for me, 
it started to, toward, towards the end, it started to drag a little bit because it's yeah. so many shots of, you know, now we have a five-minute shot of them driving down the Long Island Expressway yeah. and turning off here and then eating burgers. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're done really well. I mean, the helicopter shots and the ultra-saturation of the light and all the reflection stuff. And, you know, I mentioned this the other day after the film. Reminds me a little bit of, of some Nicholas Winding Reefen type stuff. Yeah. But um, it, it did drag a little bit with mm-hmm. all the, you know, oh, and they're driving down over here, and now they're driving off the Queen's Express, you know, yeah. whatever. And I, because I, I felt like the first act in particular was very fast paced. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you spend a lot of time in this house, which we won't, won't really give away too many spoilers here, but spend time a lot in this house. And then again, it's then you spend a lot of time at an amusement park, and so it really lingers in areas that mm-hmm. I don't think it needs to linger as much as it did. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, I don't think I was ever really bored, but I was kind of waiting for things to happen at times. That's how I was. It wasn't really that I was bored because I mean, the pace generally the pace of the film, particularly in the first half, is very frenetic. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of the film, it sort of winds down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they spend a lot of time, uh, you know, okay, now we're driving, and now we're in a fun house, and, you know, uh, it's all, it's all, it doesn't feel extraneous, it doesn't feel like it's pointless in the film, but it does feel as though, in, in certain parts, it drags a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh... I don't know. I mean, it, it just—it was such a—it was such a fascinating character study because, mm-hmm. again, the, the the relationship between uh, this, the Constantine and, and Nikolas Nikas, I mean, it, it falls out in the middle and it turns into this just a character study of Constantine and just how awful he is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of telling that all this stuff that he's doing, supposedly for his brother, just seems more. For himself, in a way? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's mostly, again, he doesn't... The one thing that he could do to make all this go away is just turn himself in. That's it. Easiest thing ever. No yeah. problems. But uh, the, the entire film is premised on him trying to save his own neck. Mm-hmm. Keep out of out of the hands of police. Get together the money to post bail for his brother. Which, you know, how the hell is he going to post bail for this brother when he's a wanted man anyways Mm -hmm. i don't know Uh, strange things like that i don't i don't understand uh robert pattinson was great oh Uh, yeah it's by far his best performance and it's good to see that i mean he's been in the rover which he was quite good in and then i think there's one other that i can't think of right now but he it's good to see someone like him and then daniel radcliffe unfortunately chloe isn't here to to back me up here but and terms of them being able to separate themselves from these huge from the Harry Potter young adult franchises and he definitely can I think yeah so. well I mean he's, he's always a spectacular actor I mean what was the thing oh Lost City of Z that's what he was in earlier this yeah, year yeah he was in Lost City of Z earlier this yeah. year and what was the thing that whole, uh, not, not Holy Motors it was uh, Trans Transmetropolitan Cosmopolis Cosmopolis <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah I, I mean I wasn't crazy about that movie but he was what I remember, he was all right. Hmm. That I, mean, I really don't remember like anything from that. I mean, he's taken on some challenging roles, so yeah, some stuff which is not you know, oh, I'm gonna stick with the big budget and I'm gonna be pretty. And then this one, he just looks like 
a bedraggled piece of it's shit. Gross, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, particularly with the blonde hair dye. Woof. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's. I like the fact that he's not just banking on his like, look at me, I'm pretty Edward from Twilight. You know, mm-hmm. he said I'm gonna go make some challenging films. Yeah. And it's worked for him. And I, I mean, this was by far it was a challenging role. It's a challenging film. Um, and he did he did a spectacular job. Yeah. And I I like the uh brother who I guess is the co director. Yeah. Benny Softy. Benny Softy. Who yeah. plays the uh brother with the whatever type of mental handicap that is. But he's great and that there's an opening scene I thought was amazing. Yeah. Where it's it's mostly the camera's just on this brother and he's talking to a a counselor of, of sorts and it's really heartbreaking because he's asking him all these questions questions of like what do you think uh don't don't cut your chickens before they hatch hatch. and uh all these other ones and you can see he's struggling to figure out what it means aside from just the obvious um and it's just in terms of his performance it was Mm -hmm. great and so i really liked him and so i was sad to see that he wasn't in the in the movie as much as i wanted but and then Jennifer Jason Lee, who was in, I guess, The Hateful Eight was her last big Yeah, film. she's in this for only five minutes, and yeah. it was a shame. Which, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of her. But. And, but the thing is, it felt, again, that was another character that it kind of lingered on towards the beginning that I didn't, I don't know, it. I, I wasn't really interested in her that much. She was just, and I, I don't know, it wasn't crazy about her. Hmm. I, I mean, she was... Well, I mean, I think that was the whole point. Is she's sort of a throwaway character, and obviously, she's to to the to Pattinson, she's the throwaway character. She's just a source of money. I mean, that's that's yeah. all she is. She's just a cougar, mm-hmm. and not a very convincing one at that. Not no. because of Jennifer Jason Leigh's performance, but but she's completely under the thumb of her tyrannical mother, yeah. who knows what's going on between her and this total reprobate Constantine Nikas, and. Yeah. Um, is trying to, to to stop it, but of course the daughter, I mean, who's what Jennifer Jason Lee is in her fifties now, yeah, and so this woman, the character, you know, who's obviously much older than than Robert Pattinson's character, um, and she still acts like a teenager, yeah, and she's just the worst kind of person. She's, she's just so overblown in terms of her emotions. Like. Yeah, she's she throws a temper tantrum about everything. She's constantly fighting her mother. She's calling her mother all kinds of just horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, the mom's doing things like asking the doorman to let him know mm-hmm. uh, if she leaves the building, and she's cutting off credit card. I mean, it just all kinds of stuff. And so it's this battle between the two of them, which obviously. Robert Pattinson's character is the crux of that. And so, again, he's destroying the lives of all these people he meets, you know. So, again, this this Jennifer Jason Lee, who's, who's you know, a lonely older woman, her life is, is completely destroyed. Her relationship mm-hmm. with her mother is destroyed. And then uh, the woman at the hospital with the guy on the bus, and then they go oh, to the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. And then the teenage daughter. And all of their lives are completely just turned upside down. Yeah. And then poor Barkhad Abdi, the security guard, he gets beaten to a pulp. And then the last guy, who I won't say what happened to him, but the one who was yeah. the, his he thought his, was his brother. His life changes instantly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. And I, so they do spend a lot of time with this teenage girl. And there's an odd scene where he just starts kissing her, this yeah. underage girl. And it, 
doesn't you don't really get a motivation why and there's no real well he did it spur of the moment in order to distract her from because they yeah. were talking about the story of his robbery mm-hmm. on the tv yeah and so he did he does this and that's the thing is he understands he's you know he's a charismatic guy he's got a sort of a, a, a magnetic sort of force of will mm-hmm. and he's able to exert this on people um always always for the worse Never for the best, always for the worse. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the, his, the whole sort of semi, not even romantic, I guess you could call it sexual, although it's not even really sexual, sort of. Uh, but that whole interlude, it was just to distract her from the news on the TV. And you'll notice how, you know, when the, when the fellow wakes up from his stupor and starts screaming, he just, he just drops her. And goes on to the next thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's no, he has absolutely no connection to anybody but his brother. Mm -hmm. And even that is more, you know, it's, it's, if you weigh my connection to myself with self preservation, you know, self interest versus love for my brother, I mean, it still is weighted heavily in terms of self preservation. Yeah. I mean, even like the, the scene where the bank robbery goes wrong and they're running through this mall. And they get separated. Uh, Pattinson's character, you know, looks for his brother a little bit and yells for him, and then he just bolts. takes off. Yeah, and he and then the brother is completely, um, so with the position he's in, he's completely helpless. Yeah, and then ends up in prison. And so it's, yeah, he's clearly a very selfish character, but for some reason you're still compelled to see what he's doing. Yeah, you know, and. But yeah, he he's great. Um, I hope he does more more roles like this. So. Yeah, it was a fascinating role, um, and it was a great. It, uh, honestly, I mean, it was a very strong film. I, is this is the first film that these guys have done? Benny and Josh Safdie. Think right? so. And I I thought it was uh, quite well done. Um, I like the score it, as well. Yeah, on, only one one o tricks point never. I yeah. don't. I, yeah, I've never understood one o. On Yatrix? Yeah, I don't know. I'd never heard of him before this. Yeah. So. I well I've seen his name popping up quite a bit. I mean he's been a big big dandy in the um uh, electronic scene for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Odeker, and I'm trying to think of some of the other Sounded ones, like but, Blade Runner a little bit. But yeah, I mean well that's the thing is um so many so many scores these days are, you know, oh the electronic thing and it's a throwback to the sort of eighties synthesizer uh, uh, horror movie sci-fi film scores. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the score. I think at times it was maybe a little too much mm-hmm. for what the scene was, what you saw going on. But I mean, it's still so interesting and still and very keeps you on edge. I think. Yeah, so. I mean, that's that's the whole point of the film is it's trying to keep you on the edge of your seat Mm -hmm. very again i think i use this word before but frenetic i mean that's what it is it's Mm -hmm. constant movement and then the lights and the everything about it is just moving 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 Mm -hmm. um and the noise the uh the soundtrack really uh accentuates that i think yeah so and i i did like the uh bank robbery sequence Mm -hmm. where they wear these prosthetic masks and and he goes fine completely in in, in the bank, and then 
things go terribly awry afterwards. Yeah. And so it's it's a very well done sequence, and it's cool to see how because we have seen so many bank robberies in films, yeah. how people are changing it up, or tr- at least trying to change it in terms of making it feel fresh and new. But and then I did like how the 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 when they looked into the bag of money, mm-hmm. you know that whole. How that plays out, I really liked yeah. in the car. So, oh, well, it was just funny. I mean, because I, I I was watching that scene and kept out of sight, kept going through my head. Yeah, because George Clooney's character um, Foley in that one, he goes into the bank and he says, you know, know this, know that. Don't pull any of this crap. I'm not doing that. Just mm-hmm. give me what you have in your drawer, and then I'm out of here. Yeah, and, I mean, he's 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 quick. He's clean. He knows what he's doing. As opposed to this one, where it's these these buffoons. I mean, the one brother who obviously is not the, um, and I'm not talking about Nicholas, but the one brother who's a normal guy mm-hmm. who doesn't even seem all that together and yeah. intelligent. Um, but, uh, and, you know, dragging along his poor learning disabled brother who mm-hmm. obviously has no stake in this, had mm-hmm. no choice in, really in the matter. Did had no clue what was going on. Yeah. Um, and so it was, that was kind of funny watching that versus watching um, the character George Clooney in, in Out of Sight. Oh, right, yeah. Right, so, I mean, you've got this guy who's professional, he's done this before, he knows what to do, he gets his thing, gets out, and the only reason he gets trapped because he's got a piece of shit car. <laughs> You know, and then the other one where these guys have go through all these preposterous men. They've got these masks and they've got three changes of clothes that they're each wearing and all this kind of stuff. And still everything goes wrong. Yeah. Because they, they're, they're so focused on the trappings rather than um, than the actual act itself. Yeah. And, uh, and it also, in terms of the what happens in the car, I don't know if you saw Triple Nine last maybe early no. last year is John Hillcote film there's a, a really good bank robbery sequence in the the beginning and something similar happens to what happens in good time and one of the things that stops them from this perfect bank robbery is traffic yeah and so it's like these just tiny little things you know a, a shitty car heavy traffic just by chance yeah. or you know just an unfortunate circumstance or maybe biting off more than you can chew and so it's yeah it's well done and that's was definitely one of my favorite parts of the film so yeah well it's just interesting looking at that versus uh logan lucky which again oh yeah so many things sort of fell into place for them so it's 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 interesting to see sort of the, the disaster heist film versus the the everything goes right heist film yeah and but it i mean it would be i would like to see some more bank robbery attempts that maybe they go wrong in the the bank and mm. they more have to solve more issues while in the bank because most of the ones you're, that you're seeing now is bank robbery goes fine and then it's what happens outside which obviously there are more choices creative choices and what you can yeah. do with that but i like issues or situation inside the bank I think inside man yeah yeah exactly great film yeah absolutely spectacular mm-hmm. so good so so good yeah and then you have even like the Dark Knight, where there are certain things that happen. You know, with like the guy with the shotgun, oh yeah, and all that stuff. You yeah, know, so yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, the second one in the series, right? 
Yeah, the, the beginning the of Joker, the film. Joker right. one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, Good Timer isn't really a heist film, though. No. Uh, so don't let us... <laughs> Good bank robber sequence, but not a not a heist yeah, movie. No, it's, it's a very short part of the film that sets up the rest of the film, but, I mean, you know... Um, it was it was good. I enjoy. I thought it was a really strong attempt for first. I mean, it dragged in a few places, um, but I never felt. I really hated a lot of the characters. Oh yeah, they're not there for me to like though. But I thought they served their purpose, and and all of the dialogue I thought was so, so terse, so direct. It was really spectacular, mm-hmm. and really the longest piece of dialogue. It's not even dialogue that you get. It's the monologue that one's the, the story that that one guy tells. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out why. Why that was the longest piece of con, sort of continuous. Yeah. Exactly. It's. Yeah. It's a little strange. A little uneven. Mm-hmm. I think. And so I mean I know some people that. Absolutely loved it and haven't brought up that at all. But I, which is fine. But. I, for me, it just it did meander a little too much and lingered uh, on characters and 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 scenes that didn't have much play in the by the end of the film. And mm-hmm. so, definitely, I mean, still a very strong film, and it's a a really good year for indie movies. I think. Yeah. Indie indie movies are winning out. Um, I think, and it's, I mean, even, not financially, yeah, obviously, well. but it's we're still getting so many good ones. That it's it's nice to see. Well, that's that's the thing I don't I don't understand is why studios are still making because I mean it's, it's so many of these films are just not lucrative, but they can make them so cheaply. Yeah, I guess is the main thing, and so these guys do a few films, smaller films, indie films. The studio gives them gives them the budget and says, okay, let's see what you get in terms of critical because you know we've got the money. We know we're most likely going to take a loss on this, but you know what? We'll see. We'll see what you do. Mm-hmm. If you can do it, and you get some critical, uh, you 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 generate some critical buzz, then we'll we'll kick you up to the big boy films, and we'll <laughs> give you a massive budget, and you'll do the next Spider Man. Spider Man. You'll yeah. do the next uh, Green Lantern, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it seems as though these smaller films are kind of now just. Uh, it's kind of like the farm league for the big budget superhero films or something. Yeah. And like I think Wind River in particular is doing pretty well both financially and critically. Like there's yeah. I was at Subway the other day and I heard the uh people behind the counter talking about it and really? then I there was a guy who came in to the shop who had was talking to his friend about it. And so mm-hmm. it seems like that one uh especially is Getting a lot of praise, and everyone seems to know that yes, this is written by the guy who did Sicario yeah. and Heller High Water. But that, right. this is the thing: everyone is. I hear people bring up Heller High Water, that I say, "Oh, well, you know, he did Sicario as well." They're like, "Oh, yeah." And so it seems really? like the audience, the the I guess mainstream audience prefers Heller High Water, which I mean, I guess is understandable. It's more charming and more mm-hmm. lighthearted, but whereas Sicario is very dark and. Yeah, provocative, and well, so that's just me, dark and provocative. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I mean, I I love both of the movies, but I do think Sicario's is better. But anyways, get uh, getting back on track. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I I did think the very very end scene was a little heavy handed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they're like, cross if you've ever done something wrong. 
or gotten blamed for something you didn't do. And it's, and it's like, I mean, I know what they're trying to do, but maybe it was maybe a little too much. Yeah. Uh, but I still, still really enjoyed that final scene because you see he's actually found a place where he belongs. So, mm-hmm. or, or I mean, can uh, actually uh, improve himself. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the kind of care that he should have been receiving in the first place instead of, you know, the ministrations of his brother, which pulls him out of the help with this psychiatric counselor, whatever this fellow is, and then leads him to a bank robbery. And then you see how awful this brother is and destroys the lives of everybody else around him that he just, not even people that he cares, these are, these are not even people that he has anything I guess which is why it's easier for him to destroy their lives. But nonetheless, it's not as though he goes out of his way to cause them problems. Yeah. They just... He's just such a terrible person that everything he does has has negative ramifications. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to pin down exactly. Because yeah. he has a, a goal in mind, but... And so he's definitely using people. Mm-hmm. But then maybe it's just the performance by... Pattinson that you kind of see another side to it so yeah but um I just thought it was telling at the end at the end of the film you know his brother is back in uh courses classes treatment for 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 people who have these disabilities and the way that he was released obviously you know is because Constantine now is I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler this is you know, uh, there are a few things that are spoilerish, which I won't say, but I'm, I don't know if it is necessary. Let's say, let's say he he gives up himself to to, 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 to help out yeah. his brother. So, and the funny thing about it is, the only condition under which he sort of makes a statement to absolve his brother is when he's already in prison. Mm-hmm. They've caught him; he has no recourse now. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole, and again, the whole film is premised on him trying to save his own neck. Um, in a way that he's able, or help his brother in a way that he's able to sort of save his own neck. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's just he's just the the worst worst kind of person, you know. Yeah. And you see his poor his poor brother, who obviously can't get along in in regular society, is thrown into jail with some really hardened, Criminals. awful awful people, and has difficulty adjusting socially, and just has the absolute shit beaten out of him Mm -hmm. and it's 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 painful to watch that yeah it's painful to watch that and you know a lot of people get the shit beat out of them in this movie (laughs) yeah this is true they do yeah i mean it's a brutal film at times so it's not for the faint of heart i suppose but it's it's definitely worth seeing anything else uh, no no pretty strong overall did drag in a few places um, but I don't know that I felt as though there was really anything extraneous. I thought all the minor characters, even, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee, um, they were there to accentuate just how awful this Constantine Nikos is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. It's, I think it's going to be a four out of five for me. Four out of five for me as well. Yeah. yeah. Solid movie. All right, well, let's, uh, with all that done, let's move on to our retro review of The Fighter. So let's take a listen to a clip. I know you can't focus, Stanley. Really, what makes you say that? I ain't got no use for you, either. all right? Well, my brother loves you. 
And you can't just run away because of me. He don't deserve that, right? So I will quit if you want me to quit. You probably should. I swear to God. I will quit if it means you come back, all right? But I want you to think about something. Mickey has a chance to do something that I never did, that in my time I never had. Oh, yeah, my big chance was with Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm so great, I'm the pride of fucking all. Oh, yeah, I fought Sugar Ray Leonard. I've heard it. I came here to make things right. Okay, let's make things right. Yeah. Number one, you didn't knock down Sugar Ray Leonard. He tripped. I was in a ring. Don't you think I know what really fucking happened that day? All right? What have you ever done with your life? I like my life. Yeah, what have you ever done with it? I like my life now, What have you Dickie? ever done with your life? You're a college dropout, Charlene. You're just a little bar girl. Your life sucks. All right, so The Fighter was released in 2010 and is directed by David O. Russell, stars Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Mark Wahlberg, and Melissa Leo. And the plot synopsis is a look at the early years of boxer Irish Mickey Ward and his brother who helped train him before going pro in the mid-1980s. So, Brayden, what do you think of this one? Absolutely spectacular film. I like David O. Russell. Not all of his films are, are top-notch, but again, he's, he's like Soderbergh. His worst films are still Quite watchable good. and very good. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, Silver Linings Playbook, which was actually quite enjoyable, got mm. a lot of Oscar buzz. I think that was one of his weaker efforts. Mm. Um, but it was still a spectacular film, and I, I like the way that he sort of looked at, at mental illness and, you know, people struggling with, with I think it was bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, and so it was interesting to see a film about that kind of thing and just the way he treated it. And Bradley Cooper and J-Law obviously were awesome. Um, and I really, I even really like Chris Tucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's many, good. Yeah. Yeah. Really for good. many, many years. I hated him. Fifth mm. Element. Awful. Drove me nuts. <laughs> right. And then uh, what was the thing that he did with Jackie Chan? Rush Hour? Rush Hour. Yeah. I like Horrible. Oh, oh, I like, oh, I like Rush Hour. Oh, they just, they just, they just <laughs> him jumping around and screeching constantly. Yeah. But in this one, he got to sort of use his charisma, but be an adult rather than just being like, look at me, I'm a crazy comic relief guy. Mm. And so it was nice to see him do that. And so I, I really appreciated the film partly for that. But, mm -hmm. um, but J-Law and Bradley Cooper were great. So anyhow, that, I think that was one of his weaker efforts. But the fighter is just remarkable. Um, I mean, there's no two ways about it. Christian Bale is amazing. Christian Bale is amazing. Like, it, you really don't recognize him the first time you see him. No, you don't. And so, because he, he lost a ton of weight for this, and he, oh. looks, uh, he looks just he looks sickly. He looks uh, like a, a, a meth head or a crack yeah, which Yeah, which he is in the film. In the film, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, he's just this eccentric, weird... Uh, unreliable brother of Mark Wahlberg. And yeah, this is a true story. Um, and both of these brothers were boxers. And it's, and I, I really like it. I think, so American Hustle is my favorite uh, David O. Russell. And then I actually really love Silver Linings. And then this will probably be my third favorite. But I still oh, really? really, really like it. Yeah. For me, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tough call because I really like Three Kings. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, I think the fighter is is my favorite by him, and then after that, it's it's a toss up between Three Kings and American Hustle. Mm. Um, a lot of people didn't like American Hustle, which I don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Maybe either. they got. I mean, it does get a bit confusing. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I mean, it's very dialogue driven. Yeah. 
which maybe I mean, and it's longer than maybe most films like that are. Right. But it's so well done, so well acted that I was just like, who cares? This is yeah. Let's make it two and a half hours. Let's you know. And so it's that's my favorite. But anyways, so I do really like the fighter. Uh, it's yeah the hit, Bale's performance is probably my favorite part, and it's very well directed. Uh, I, and I think it, there's always a lot of energy with David o. o. Russell, and I think at times for me, it almost started to wear on me a little bit. Just got a mm. little tiring at times, just because it is his style is so kinetic, and then the you know Christian Bale's performance is so out is so weird and crazy, and then yeah. everyone basically besides Wahlberg are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or and then I mean Amy Adams isn't crazy but a like, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A like, little bit. She's she's very protective of uh who is it? Mickey, the Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg character. Yeah. Uh but then like their families too. are just insane. Like they're always fighting and screaming yeah. and I mean O Russell is the I should say O Russell's not just uh Russell is the king of showing a dysfunctional family yeah but then he's also able to show there's still that element of love and care yeah somehow i don't know how he does that but in american hustle it's the same way mm-hmm. like with christian bale and jennifer lawrence and then uh in silver linings with uh bradley cooper's family and all and all of that and then enjoy as well right um which i would i would i do like joy i think it's one of his lesser films yeah, it was still quite good. Yeah, it was still worth watching. Um, I agree with you. It wasn't wasn't his best effort, but I mean, it was still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I think I think he's able to show somehow that all this dysfunction comes from families that love one another. If you love if you love people, then there's obviously going to you know, you don't restrain yourself. You're not trying to put your best foot forward. These are people that you know that you've been around for a long time, and so you don't feel you need to put up some sort of facade in order to, right. you know, get by the way that you have to do in, in normal everyday society with people who aren't family. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, because you're not putting up these facades, you know, you're you're bound to lock horns with them. Yeah. And um, so I think he does a good job of showing that a lot of these, this dysfunction stems from love. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think this... I mean, this is in what Pennsylvania, maybe, or I thought it was Massachusetts. Oh, Mass- oh, that makes sense. Um, but it's kind of like the South here. Mm-hmm. You have same same type of families, um, and I think everyone's kind of guilty of that of just kind of going crazy sometimes for your family, whether it's justified or not. But and so yeah, so it does feel very genuine and comes from a place of. Um, experience i think with uh russell for better or worse i hope yeah he, I, hope, I hope his family wasn't <laughs> crazy dis- dysfunctional but um i do like all that stuff and i love anything with christian bale um forgetting that he has to be somewhere mm-hmm. like he's uh he's always late to train mark Wahlberg, and there's a scene where he's doing uh uh playing out the his big fight from years ago right. in this house and doing meth then he realizes he's like two hours late, and so he jumps, uh, or no, he he like just runs across town, mm-hmm. and then there's another one where he jumps out the window into a thing of uh, bin of garbage because his mother right. is outside. Yeah. So he tries to get away, and it's he's just trying all... to get away from because he's what strung out again. Yeah, and he's supposed to be with uh, training. Yeah, and so it's and again, I guess this is 
feels a little bit like Good Time, where he's a character who has that maybe deep, deep down, this place of love mm-hmm. for Mark Wahlberg and for his family, but he's his own worst enemy yeah. at times. And so he's always getting in his own way. He's just never doing anything right, even though you can tell, and I think a lot of that is Christian Bale's performances, that he wants to so badly, but he just can't do it for some reason. He yeah. can't follow through. Well, I mean, it's, it's addiction. It, it yeah. grabs hold of him. It's it's a horrible monkey on his back that he has to deal with. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting, you know, looking at at the fighter versus looking at uh, Good Time, where you've got you've got the Christian Bale character in the fighter, who I think he does love his family. He does want to put his his family first, but has difficulty with that because he's he's somehow fallen into this addiction, which he's it's hard for him. To get away from that, it's yeah. hard for him not to put himself first because of his his urges, his addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to this Constantine Nikas guy, who he, he loves his brother and everything, but it seems even even with this love, this sincere love, you know, for his brother, he still winds up putting himself first. It still it still boils down to self preservation, mm-hmm. and so one brother who seems to default to self-preservation uh and everybody else is peripheral versus the other brother who i think everything else uh, his family is, is is the first thing but because of this addiction he winds up putting himself first he, yeah. he winds up forgetting about his his ties to them and then when that sort of sets in again he freaks out and, and runs away because he realizes how he's letting them all down yeah um so it's 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 a painful thing to watch. I mean, both both films are just painful to watch, mm-hmm. um, but for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, but the fighter was spectacular. It, it's funny looking at Christian Bale in this because I mean he's what like a hundred sixty pounds, stick figure. Yeah. You know, and then you see him in the Batman films, which obviously he'd worked out quite a bit, uh, big muscle. And then you see him in American Hustle. You see him in American Hustle, and he actually, like, that's him. That's I'm, not prosthetic. And then the uh, Machinist, if that's what we, uh, Oh, yeah. Which is, so I I love Christian Bale, but I hope he's not killing his body. Oh, he is. He, he needs, yeah, no, he, he, you need to stick around, Christian. You, you can't, don't do this very much. Somebody yeah. was talking to me about this just recently. Um, maybe it was you, I forget who. Well, but they were talking about how actors are so frequently put their bodies through such massive transformations in such condensed time frames. I think that was I think that was on the show. Yeah, Tom Hardy was saying that recently he said he'd never do uh bulk up or put his body through what he had to do for Bane because his body doesn't feel the same anymore. Like right. his his joints feel different and um and so I think Chris I mean I hope he knows what he's doing but I mean I always like to see an actor go all out but He's done it yeah. four, you know, five, six times in very insane ways. And I, yeah. uh, I appreciate their commitment to their craft, but at the same time, I mean, the punishment that they must be. Because he, he gained, I think, 35 or 40 pounds for American Hustle. Yeah. Of just, just kind of flat, just pure fat, fat weight. Yeah. Just, that's all he did. He's, I mean, I remember reading something. He says he just drank shitloads of beer. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he had a big old rotund beer gut. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was he was large and in charge there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is amazing in American Hustle. Yeah, he's quite good. I mean, I really like Mark Wahlberg. I mean, it's oh, disappointing yeah, he, that Mark Wahlberg has become like a big big star because 
he gets to do stuff like Michael Bay films, mm-hmm. where he gets lots and lots of money. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just think of all the good he's done fairly some very good films. I think. Yeah, I mean, he's his work with uh, Peter Berg, like uh, Patriots Day mm-hmm. and Deepwater Horizon. All right. And That's then, been pretty good. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, uh, his, the very first thing that I remember him in, uh, Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, right, yeah. Which was a spectacular film. And then uh, Boogie Nights, obviously, PTA. Um, and I thought he was really good in that. Oh, I mean, yeah. The whole cast in that, obviously, was spectacular. And so it was, he had good people to play off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julianne Moore, awesome. She's I great. just love her. She's mm-hmm. just amazing. Um but, uh, you know, now he's, he's the Peter Burke stuff, as you mentioned, which I'm not as familiar with um, with those films. Uh, I did want to see Deepwater Horizon, but it came out and left before I had the it's, opportunity. To I see mean, it. both. I mean, Lone Survivor is probably the weakest of the three. But oh, really? Pa- Patriot's Day. Because I quite like Lone Survivor. Oh, I did too. I did too. But uh, Deepwater Horizon and uh, Patriot's Day are mm-hmm. surprisingly both good blockbusters and being mm-hmm. and also very well directed and i think they're kind of misunderstood I, yeah. like i have people who are hesitant or don't like to watch those because it feels like peter berg is making money off of tragedies mm-hmm. which i mean technically sure he is but he does it in such a crafts these stories about real life tragedies in such a heartfelt personal way that it's still very captivating and very touching. Yeah. And also being just an entertaining film. Like, you would think Patriot's Day, about the Patriot's Day bombing, would be some just cliched mess, but it's actually great. Yeah, well, I just think of all those disaster films um, that have come out, like... uh, Aren't they doing a film now about the Boston Marathon bombing? That's, it's coming out. Uh, yeah, well, that's what the Patriot State was. That's what Patriot State Yeah, was. but no, but okay. they actually are. I think it's actually the same week as Kingsman this month. Oh, really? It's called Stronger with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, so, okay. So, I don't know how. I don't know. I mean, see that? And then we had, we've had a few different films about the, the September 11th. Um, we have that. Have you seen attacks. the Charlie Sheen movie? Nine Eleven oh coming out. It looks, it looks well, weird. I'm just thinking about the what was it? Two Towers or whatever it was called. The one with Nicolas Cage. World Trade it. Center. Yeah. He yeah. plays. He plays a first responder. Not great. Oh, but right? United ninety three is great though. Okay, that one I'm not familiar with. Oh, it's it's Paul Greengrass. Oh, is it? It's, okay, it's, he's he's spectacular. That's one that you really don't want to watch very often, but it's so well made. Yeah. And that's another one, kind of like uh, Deepwater Horizon or Patriots Day, where it's. You would well, he, think it's this exploitative film, but it's... He does them in such a way that it's really... I don't understand how he does it, but he does them in such a way that it's really good. Like yeah. Green Zone. If, if yeah. nobody saw Green Zone, yeah. it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Phillips, obviously. Oh, it's so good. And um, what's the other one I'm thinking of right now that Greengrass did? Uh, well, he did He did the Bourne films. films or... or yeah. th- the yes. first, second? Sex, he did second and third, and then the, and third. the new one, which was not good. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the new one, Matt Damon new one? J- or Jason, Jeremy Jason, Jason Bourne. 
The, okay. Yeah, the Matt Damon one. Because I actually kind of like the Jeremy Renner one. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Nobody, yeah. nobody went to it, but yeah. I actually kind of liked that. I thought it was pretty decent. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the newest one, the fourth one with Matt Damon, not I good. didn't see. It's yeah, not good. Not good? Okay, well. I mean, it's not horrendous, but it's, it's, it's not, not very good. Not up to par with the first three? No. Okay. But, yeah, United 93 is like, and there's really no big-name actors in it either, and mm-hmm. shot in like a documentary style, and so it feels very... Uh, genuine and realistic and it's quite good but yeah. in, anyways but back to the fighter um okay <laughs> uh yeah it's just yeah i mean i don't know if i have a ton more to say i mean all the boxing scenes are great i mm-hmm. love the any training sequences and i like the small town um, yeah. vibe that it gives off and I'm trying to remember where it's set i mean it might be sort of a god i can't remember boston there's a north end and the south end and one of them is predominantly Italian, one of them is predominantly Irish, and obviously they would be in the Irish. I forget if they're Southeast or Northeast. If anybody out there in Boston is listening and I'm getting all this wrong, please don't lambast let, me let for us, this. Let us know. I love Boston. My parents <laughs> used to live there before I was born. It's it's one of the greatest cities ever. It's awesome. I love it. I just, I just everything's getting a little muddled. I apologize. Let us know. So, um, I'm trying to find out where that is now, looking at the IMDB and the whatnot, but... Uh, it's. Uh... Um, I mean, I I do really like uh, veering off a little bit. I do really like the uh, chemistry and the relationship between Amy Adams and Mark Wahlberg. They work great together, and I think their relationship is just very interesting. She's this uh, uh, bartender, who, you know, who's always getting hit on, and he just is a completely respectful, um, down to earth guy, and she's this relatively high-strung um woman who's and it's it's, and it's a very good relationship and so i i that's one of the i think the stronger parts of the film and they both have very good chemistry together so it's it's a nice thing um uh yeah, this is interesting. I was just looking at this. No, I was just looking at uh, some of the IMDb stuff. Apparently, this film had a budget of twenty-five million. Mm. That's that's a very reasonable budget for a film of this size with with this you know caliber of, of actor. Right. Uh, opening weekend. I shit you not. Opening weekend, three hundred thousand. Right. Whew. And then it ended up grossing uh, ninety-three point five million. Huh. So it ended up making back its money in spades, but the opening weekend, three hundred thousand, and this was December. This was early December. So again, this is Oscar season, right? This sweet spot when when schools are starting to get out. So there's a lot of loose kids, loose money floating around loosely with a lot of time on their hands to go catch movies. Yeah, three hundred thousand. Jeez. Oh, well, I know that since then, David or Russell's films have been starting to get more financial success like silver linings did quite well and then mm-hmm. i think american hustle made something like 200 million i think or, yeah or something and so it's i don't, I don't know if joy did that well but no, i, th- I, I think he's think so. getting to be semi-marketable i think especially especially with films like american hustle and yeah at least if he gets a lot of big name stars i think that yeah well he's helps, he's so. been getting big name stars yeah i mean all of his films i think have been, i mean even going back to three kings Right, again, Mark Wahlberg there, and then um, George Clooney, George Clooney, and Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. 
uh, who really put in a good performance in that as well. I mean, all of them, all three of them, I thought were really good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then you look at his recent stuff, The Fighter, right? Amy Adams, Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg. You look at uh, Silver Linings, it's J-Law. Robert Bradley, De Niro. Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro. Uh, Joy didn't have quite as many. It was just J-Law. And De Niro. And De Niro. That's right. Yeah. And I know um, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, he was in that as well. That's yeah. right. He played TV exec or something like that. Yeah. And then American Hustle, which was huge cast, Insane, right? yeah. Yeah, so Jay Law, Amy Adams, Christian Bale. <laughs> this guy's got it. Jeremy Renner. Can get all. Uh, Bradley get Cooper. Louis C.K. even shows up in it. Oh, he's so good in it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he's such a tiny part, but he's so good in it. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of these people. He's one of these auteur filmmakers, again, very similar to Soderbergh, who everybody in the Coen Brothers, everybody, everybody loves their films. Everybody mm-hmm. enjoys working with them. And so every time they put out a film, it's just huge ensemble casts because mm-hmm. everybody gravitates towards them as directors. Everybody enjoys working with them so much that they want to be in their films. And so you get these huge ensemble casts. Yeah. So, uh, which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was just that was just interesting looking at the numbers for that. It's you know three hundred thousand opening weekend. That's, Brutal. That's painfully <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, uh, trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, classic. Uh, I guess is it Led Led Zeppelin? That's a song that are songs that David Russell seems to have a lot in his films. Led Zeppelin. Does he? I think so. I mean, There's one song in this. Is it Good Times, Bad Times? That's yeah. Uh, they they have that in Silver Linings as well. Let me see if I can find who's on the. Keep going. I'm gonna uh, see if I can find who's on the soundtrack. It, it, interesting soundtrack as I think, and I think American Hustle is has one of the best soundtracks of any of his films. But I think that's a lot of that is because of the era that it's set in. So, but anyways, I. I don't have much much else to say, Braden. Do you? No, no. Great film. Yeah, spectacular Def- film. Definitely underrated, and so you should check it out if you can. It might be on Amazon or Hulu, something like that. Um, but it's definitely worth watching, especially if you've liked some of the other films that we've mentioned by by Russell. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Well, it's a I think a four and a half for me. I'm gonna give it a solid five. Uh, I think it's just that that good. It's of a good, film. yeah. So. All right, well, uh, let's uh, get on to a little bit of news. Uh, so we were going to talk about a couple of trailers, but we realized they're really not that big yet, and so maybe we'll talk about them closer to the release dates. But uh, the big news of the week that just ha- actually happened yesterday was uh, ar- surrounding Star Wars. So Episode Nine, which is the one that's going to be coming out in, I guess, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, is was going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, and he's been attached to that project since, probably since 2015, since Jurassic World came out. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday, he and Lucasfilm uh, parted ways. And so they said they mutually parted ways, not giving much reason why, but, uh, which is a pretty big uh, piece of news, especially with, the Han Solo spinoff being losing the two uh, 
Phil Lord and Chris Miller, yeah, I think is their names, and then being replaced by Ron Howard. Yeah. And so, I mean, is Star Wars going to become the new DC where they can't hold a director? That's, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> that's what I was just thinking is because, I mean, obviously the first one went off without a hitch, but mm-hmm. that's largely because of J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I mean, he he knows how to make a film and he exerts, I wouldn't say total control, but pretty, pretty, pretty comprehensive control of yeah. the films that he does. Yeah. Oh, and we should say that the top contenders for Episode Nine now are J.J. Abrams and then the director of the upcoming Episode Eight, Ryan Johnson. And yeah. so it's possible Abrams could be directing this Episode be, Nine. So I would be happy if it's either one of them. Um, I don't know. There's, there's positives and benefits. There's good things and bad things about about that. You know, mm-hmm. if you get three different directors, each film may have a different tone, and, and it'd be interesting to see. You know, I'm really excited about seeing this next one. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Last Jedi that Ryan Johnson's done because Looper is so spectacular. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, you know, if you have one of these directors returning, they obviously, well, Ryan Johnson's, you know, Last Jedi, the, whether or not that's good remains to be seen. But again, I have high expectations for it, high hopes for it because Looper was so good. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've liked what they've done with the franchise, or at least the direction that J.J. Abrams has taken it. Now, I know a lot of The Force Awakens is sort of a copy of A New New Hope. Hope. Yeah. I understand that. It was just like, hey, let's make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, You know, instead of having a giant space station, let's make it a planet that shoots lasers. And, you know, okay, fine, I get that. It's a return to form for them. It establishes it. It sort of fires the fan base back up. It reestablishes sort of the Star Wars brand. That's the important things about it. But let's see what direction they go with this next film. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping. Cross my fingers. It's not an Empire Strikes Back. I love the Empire Strikes Back, but I don't want another one. Yeah. Um, I love New Hope. I didn't necessarily want another one. Now that I kind of have another one, it's not terrible i just think that there's a lot of ground uh unexplored territory that they could have done with this first one but again it was so solid and it really pulled me back in after the 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 special effects fiasco that was the prequels the prequels (laughs) well except for the third one yeah which i actually quite liked really yeah okay well i liked watching this the downfall of anakin skywalker i mean that was the first one where you actually see some of the compelling emotion that you had in that first trilogy, mm-hmm. and um, it's always been it's always been my thought, my my sort of theory on this, and and I'll just go through this quickly because stuff to talk about. But it's always been my theory that if you see the first one, New Hope, right? Uh, Fox, if I remember correctly, Fox opted not to part of George Lucas's deal with getting the film made is he said, you know, I want this budget, I want these things, I want to do this. And Fox said, sure, sure, sure. They weren't expecting it to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. They were just sort of... He'd, he'd had some success with American Graffiti. Um, and so they, they sort of wanted to uh, keep him happy until the next big thing came along that he did. They weren't expecting it to be Star Wars, though. And so he said, you know, I want to retain marketing rights, licensing rights for this film. And Fox said, Sure dumbest thing ever (laughs) dumbest thing ever 
So if you look at that, I think uh, Star Wars, he wasn't sure quite what to do. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think he sort of already had in the works at the time. Because, I mean, he'd, he'd had a huge idea for what to do with um, the whole Star Wars series. And so Empire Strikes Back, he already had some ideas for that. And then when, when the film came out and was a huge, massive success, right? You know, that and Jaws are what coined the term blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, so Star Wars comes out, huge success, toys, marketing, all kinds of crap, huge money in it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, he already had in the works, ends up putting that together. It comes out, huge success. Um, and so he's making money hand over fist. And so I think with Return of the Jedi, that's when he realized let me push the marketing. Let me see what I can do in terms of the marketing angle in order to, you know, get kids and really put out right. some products and things like that. Yeah. Which is why you get Ewoks. And then if you look at the, the trajectory of this, so it went from nothing to big marketability mm-hmm. in terms of that first trilogy. And the newest trilogy, um, he decided to hit it straight up with the marketing thing. And so you get Jar Jar Binks and the, and the droids, right? All these things that are obviously have children's appeal to children, the pod race, and so stuff that he can make into toys and sell. And then the the first film did so, I mean, it did huge money, but it was abysmal in terms of critical, critical, uh, uh, praise, praise. That's not the, um, critics hated it. Mm -hmm. I'll just put it that way. Critics hated it. (laughs) And so I think he, he finally realized that he can't just bank on toys and licensing. He actually needs to make decent films, mm-hmm. which is what he did with the third one. And his, uh, Revenge of the Sith is he finally moved away from the, the childish toy marketing aspect and back towards a, a good, solid human story, mm-hmm. uh, albeit with lightsabers and magic powers and stuff like that. But... Um, but watching the downfall of Anakin, you know, and how he's corrupted because of his love for Padme and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's an age-old tale. But the point being, he he moved towards marketing that first trilogy and then away from it in the second trilogy because of what was going on. He'd already had the commercial, the, 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 the critical success with New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And then in this newest trilogy, he decided, yeah, let's hit him straight up with the marketing stuff. And then it turned out the film was crap. And then... He decided, as it moved on, let's actually make a decent film because if I don't have a decent film, nobody's going to pay attention to it and I won't be able to sell a damn thing anyways. So um, it's actually nice that he's been sort of largely detached from this most recent trilogy. Long story short, he's, yeah. he's been detached. He's been detached. <laughs> so anyhow, there's my theory on Star Wars. I'm sure everybody out there in the blogo media sphere, whatever it is, will will be up in arms about that. But, mm. Um I don't know. Anyhow, um, who who would you who would you pick uh, to direct besides those two? Would there be anyone that you would Guy Ritchie? <laughs> no. no, I mean I I do like Snatch and Locked Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, but that's his that's his ilk. Uh, um, yeah. He he tried sort of fantasy stuff. King Arthur. With King Arthur. I know you loved it. (laughs) Nobody else did, apparently. That was a pretty huge flop. Oh, yeah. Huge flop. 
Um, uh, Jacob, who's on the show before, who may be on next week, really mm-hmm. like to. I mean, but he's like a huge Guy Ritchie fan, so yeah, I guess he's biased, but yeah, yeah. Well. Um, I would say Dennis Villeneuve, but he's already got Blade Runner coming out, and, and so and I don't want. And he's wanna... doing Dune. Oh, is he? Yeah, I didn't even know they were doing yet another Dune. Yeah, but it's with Denis Villeneuve, so it's gonna be good. Mm, I think doesn't mean anything, and it, especially if you can get Roger Deakins back, like it's gonna be. Good. Oh. That's a film that everybody should go watch. Yodorowsky's Dune. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's re- it's a great documentary. It is a spectacular yeah. documentary. It's one one of the more entertaining, mm-hmm. insightful documentaries that I've seen in years, I think. It's it's such a seemingly sort of frivolous subject, but it's so fascinating to see how this guy, his creative process and everything that was involved with it and, mm-hmm. and you, Marlon Brando and the Yeah. And the, the 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 excess that he brought to the was it Brando? It was uh, uh, Citizen Kane. What's his face? Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yes, thank you. Not Marlon Brando. Orson Welles. And then uh, Salvador Dali, right? And just the ludicrous. And then Pink Floyd was yeah, going to do the score. Soundtrack. And yeah, it's it's crazy to see if this Yodorowsky, who's a great character for yeah. a documentary, if you. had if you see what he was planning to do and that came out, whether it was a huge flop or not, mm-hmm. you can see how big of an effect it He's would have had, had if, in, instead of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, how would film be, or what would it be now with that instead of Star Wars? Oh, he's, it's interesting because it also traces, even though Yodorowsky's version of Dune was never made, all of the conceptual artwork and all of the... the, the what he intended to do with sort of the plot and all this kind of... It directly traces that to a lot of these big sci-fi films that have come out. So Blade Runner, for Mm -hmm. one, but also Alien. And then they even look at how it impacted Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, It's it's amazing. So everybody should go watch Yodorowsky's Dune. um, One interesting thing, so there's a... um, Some visual concept art that you see of the city in Yodorowsky's Dune that you can see... An alien covenant mm-hmm. felt very familiar. Yeah, and it was it was really cool. Yeah. They can see even people like Ridley Scott, Spielberg, whoever right. are drawing from this well unmade film. So H.R. H.R. Giger actually did some of the conceptual artwork for Yodorowsky, yeah. and he obviously was the one that went on and did Alien. Alien. Yeah. So uh, a very direct correlation there between the two, but but um, even so. Uh, I mean, just some of the conceptual stuff and, and so forth with uh, Yodorowsky's version of Dune. Um, sort of indirect. There's a lot of indirect ties between that and these other big, you know, Blade Runner, Star Wars, and so forth. Um, anyhow, moving, David Lynch did Dune. I kind of like it. I mean, it was a, I know it was a disaster of a I film. Like it. But I, I, I still kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think some of the things that he did were interesting, um, and I kind of I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that being said, it wasn't the greatest film. It just seems like everybody who touches the Dune franchise, it it it, it falls apart fucked. on them. Yeah, you know. Well, um, what about uh, Christopher Nolan? Steve, uh, Star Wars. Christopher Nolan at Star Wars. Yeah. No. No. Mm-mm. Not, not his ilk for one thing. That's not the type of... I mean, could he do it? Maybe. Would it be a good film? Probably. Would it be the absolute best? No. I mean, I don't know that he's... 
he's the man to direct a Star Wars franchise. Tarantino? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Kind of amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I would like to see someone else other than Abrams and uh, Johnson just to see the, the difference. Yeah. You know? And so... Um, but yes, it's... Ooh, what about Spielberg? It'd be kind of cool. I mean, he's not going to, obviously, but... It'd be kind of cool, but, I mean, that would be such a slap in the face to Lucas if Spielberg ended up... Oh, true. Because uh, the two of them have been friends for so long, and then, you know, Lucasfilm, he sells Lucasfilm to Disney, and then Disney's, you know... Lucas, from what I understand, actually went to Disney with all kinds of ideas and big, big reams of paper with characters and script and plot and dialogue and all this kind of stuff, and... and Disney slash Lucasfilm basically told him to take a hike. Yeah. Um, so he has, from what I understand, minimal control over any of the creative process at Lucasfilm anymore. Yeah. And uh, if they were then to hand off his sort of flagship enterprise to Spielberg, who's been a lifetime friend of his, man, that would be a slap <laughs> in the face. Yeah. But um, well, let's just let's just get Michael Bay in there. You know, Michael Bay. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> giant transforming. <laughs> you see the star destroyers transform. Watch yeah. the you know Death Star transform. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dennis Villeneuve would be would be somebody else because Ryan Johnson's already there. I mean, honestly, I can't think of a lot of um, really spectacular. Um, Directors who are working sort of in the sci-fi genre. Fantasy films, forget it. Fantasy films, there hasn't been a decent fantasy film in ages. They've all been crap. Well, I like the second Hobbit film. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the Hobbit series was... Oh, oh, yeah. Peter Jackson's good. I mean, he could maybe pull off Star Wars, but... But um, I don't know. I just sound a little too fanboyish. <laughs> yeah, Peter Jackson, Star Wars. <laughs> He's the best ever. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, no, he's a, he's a spectacular filmmaker, Peter Jackson. But the thing is, I want to see him return to some of the stuff, like Heavenly Creatures. Yeah. Man, that was an awesome film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should go back to doing some stuff like that. But. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because there are a lot of good filmmakers out there, but would they necessarily be able to tackle Star Wars, Star Wars is yeah. the question. But, I mean, that's my mortal fear now, is especially after hearing the Han Solo thing and now this. Is the Star Wars franchise going to wind up like the DC mm-hmm. Extended Universe? Yeah. Where people just keep jumping ship and they keep bringing in new people and then every they have to do rewrites and reshoots and then the film just and, turns into this giant. And it did get a new writer apparently a month or two ago. Star Wars. Yeah. Really, the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah. Uh, so. They should have. Oh God, what was his name? Kaz, Kazdan? Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, who did, who did Empire Strikes Back and then did the script for the. And he also did Indiana Jones. Yeah. You should just have him write everything. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not. I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. Just have him, because Force Awakens, the script for that was was solid. Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, I still hold as you know a spectacular film. Not not even oh, it's a spectacular science fiction. No, it's just a spectacular film. Period. Yeah. 
So I think, you know, just have him write it. I don't, I don't give a shit. Just yeah. have him write everything. You can have different people direct it. That's fine. But just have Lawrence Kasdan write everything. Yeah. Um, uh, that being said, yeah, I mean, if they can find other people to write it that are good, that's fine. But don't, you know, who's the writer of the week? Well, let's, you know, <laughs> put our hands into the fishbowl and draw a name. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's going to ruin the film. I don't know, you know, why they keep doing this. But, I mean, they should be able to look at the products put out there by all these sort of patchwork films you know, we've had three different directors, and we've had five different writing teams, and yada yada. Like yada. the Flash, and right, all these other films, yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's not coming out till twenty nineteen, so we got some time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little ways. It's two years down the road, but I mean, even so, you know, considering either they had, I don't think they'd started shooting yet, right? No. But. They were fairly well along in the pre-production process. So. I think so. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm mortally mortally mortal terror here. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So we'll yeah keep you updated about that if anything changes. Um, and Lucasfilm said that we they would let people know quite soon about what would be the next step forward would be with that. So hopefully we'll know soon, but all right. Well, the other piece of news that I, it's not really a huge piece of news, but I feel like it's kind of interesting. I just happened to come across it a couple of days ago. So, um, there's now going to be, uh, a Iraqi version or point of view, uh, version of American sniper, that Clint Eastwood film with Bradley Cooper from a couple years ago. Um, and it's, I don't know exactly when it's coming out, probably within the, the next year or two, but so American Sniper followed the real li- real life Chris Kyle, um, who fortunately was killed yeah. or, or murdered, I, I should say, um, a couple years ago, but and it follows his time in Iraq as he's had uh, one of the deadliest marksmen I guess of all time, mm-hmm. I guess is his one of his nicknames. But um, anyways, there's this uh, director called I think Amir uh, Salama, I believe. Sorry if I'm butcher- butchering your name, but he uh, he said he said about American Sniper, I hated it. That was my inspiration. I hated it so much that I wanted to work on a different version of that story. And so now we're going to be getting a version of of American Sniper, but with the enemy sniper that uh, Bradley Cooper is chasing throughout the film. But it's apparently Chris Kyle actually didn't kill this guy. And so this director wants to write that wrong. And so I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but he says it wants, he, he, he wants it to be a anti-war film, not a pro-war film. Like he thinks mm-hmm. American sniper is, which is interesting. Well, I don't know. I mean, First of all, if you're going to do something like that, okay. Um, I just don't know how he's going to be able to present that, from the, particularly from the perspective of the opposed the Iraqi sniper. Yeah. Without alienating American audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, how do you tell a story like this from the point of view of a combatant without it necessarily crossing into the line of... 
of sort of belligerent warmongering type. Yeah, stuff. I mean, he says he intends no malice on anyone, and so it's not like he's doing it out of spite or anything. Yeah. But he just wants to tell a different side of the story. Yeah, and so I mean, it's which I can understand, but given the political ram the the, the What is the word I'm looking for here? Given the political context of the film, the political ideals wrapped up in it, how do you, again, portray this story from the point of view of an Iraqi sniper without... I mean, Shooter was already fraught from the beginning because, well, I mean, first, not only just how Clint Eastwood told the story, but the subject matter in and of itself uh, this Chris Kyle guy and his sort of, I guess, machismo bravado. Yeah. And then telling the story from his point of view. And um, again, in a very politically fraught situation, which is the war in Iraq. And it doesn't i think a lot of the problem with 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 Clint Eastwood's version of it was that it didn't catch a lot of the nuance mm -hmm. should we have been there in the first place what was what what happened to Iraq in terms of the fallout from our occupation there mm -hmm. um and i mean you, yes. all you need to do is look at the struggles that they've been having pushing IS out of their territory now and you can see it's not as simple as you know cowboy americans show up with guns and shoot some people yeah. Ooh, kick I mean, ass. I mean, i'm i'm really not crazy about the movie american sniper not um, a lot of people i think not a lot of people were yeah it's uh i mean it's done in very broad strokes and i did like bradley cooper but other than that it's just not that well made of a film yeah it's and it does feel very politically driven at times and mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's not well written and yeah it's but anyways yeah i think it, it would be interesting to see how that this alternate version plays out especially since it is going to be made by i'm guessing he's iraqi but how his point of view will play against American audiences and then just in general what path he decides to take with that. So Yeah. Which, I mean, you don't really get this type of film that often. No. Someone who hates a f one, one film's perspective so much that he must do an alternate or opposite version. Yeah. You know? So. Um, I mean, it has the potential, and, and then it's interesting to see sort of an alternate side of the story it's just how do you approach a subject matter without sort of being reductionist and turning it into this like cat and mouse game between a couple of snipers yeah um how do you make it so, so that it's something which captures the difficulty the the nuance the complexity of the conflict in iraq without just turning it into sort of a crass action film yeah uh, and I, I think that was the problem with the Clint Eastwood version is it, it approached a little too much the crass action film aspect of things it was just you know the sniper going around and kicking ass and, and it doesn't really capture the the situation that he's placed into mm. and I'd say even Lone Survivor a little bit does that mm. at times it does. You it know, does. I mean, even I, though I, I think, like that movie a little more than this. Yeah, I like that movie considerably more than American <laughs> Sniper. Um, I actually quite like Lone Survivor. I think it's really spectacular. Yeah, I mean, and, I think it's it's a solid film. Yeah, know. I mean, um, 
it's really fascinating watching these 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 special forces operatives and how they work and i think yeah. it's really fascinating to see at the end of the film um how these afghani citizens sort of take them in uh the, the lone survival mark Wahlberg's character and um just to, one of the things i guess of the how how operating procedures have changed over there and um courting more friendship with mm. with uh the citizens within these countries and how you know building these bonds but anyhow point is at the end of the film you see this afghani family take him in and it brings problems onto uh onto their village uh by what the taliban forces i guess are going moving through yeah and um but uh yeah i mean again even lone survivor even though most of the film focuses on the special forces guys and what they're doing it still puts it into a bit better context towards the end of the film puts it into a bit better context and 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 shows how difficult how complex these uh operations are given the theaters that they're working in and you don't really see much of that in american sniper if any at all mm-hmm. is what is the larger context that these guys yeah it's are just very straightforward yeah and there's not much depth or anything to it so it's yeah i mean i'm i'd, I'd be interested to see this opposite version or alternate version so yeah we'll see how that goes it um, could be good or it could be crass garbage yeah so yeah but i mean i guess you can say that about any film is is sure know, could be good or it could be garbage i mean the, the i guess the larger point is it could be good if it places things into more context and it does a better job of of, of showing the, the broader the larger scheme of things than american sniper did or it could be crass and that just woo iraqi forces kicking kicking ass and taking names yeah and which not only would that be crass but then that would really alienate american audiences which you're trying to perhaps educate i don't know what he would be trying to do with yeah. this but but we'll see alienating american audiences is not the way to go with <laughs> trying to get your movie and your point out there yeah so uh, all right well uh that's about all the news we got uh, so we can just move on to the... Uh, well, oh, oh, you mentioned oh. before Joker, and I was just looking at Variety, and they said something like, because uh, Scorsese oh, so is supposed to be producing this now, right? Leonardo DiCaprio they want Leo is the prime... Attached. Yeah. I would, I would be down. If no, absolutely. You, you need a great actor to play the Joker. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, every every actor in L.A. should at this point just say, no, no Joker. Mm-hmm. They just go to the screen actors get wherever and boycott just hold up signs no no hell no joker must go whatever yeah no more joker all actors actresses everybody just said no i'm not playing joker just turn it down that's my call for you mm-hmm. be the bigger man here yeah just say no just say no to joker i'm sorry <laughs> go away go away uh but, I mean, you know, it was shocking enough, first of all, that they're doing the standalone Joker film. Well, let's look at Joker before he's, you know, the Joker. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a bad enough idea to begin with. And then Scorsese, they bring Scorsese on for this. Now, 
why he agreed to this, I don't know. Maybe he's interested, you know? <sighs> Maybe, but I mean, you know, it's such a divisive topic. Um, uh, perhaps only among the fanboys. I mean, the thing is, I saw something that it was looking at the numbers, and any, you know, it showed, you know, an average DC film with heroes that nobody knows about, you know, Riddler or Clayface or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it had some decent numbers, and it said, and then with the Joker, and then the numbers just boom, skyrocket. Yeah. So, in terms of marketing, I understand it. You know, the Joker is a huge... People, for some reason, love the demented sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, who doesn't? Who doesn't like <laughs> a demented sociopath? Yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean... I just I just get so tired of it. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many iterations of the Joker at this point. Yeah. And it's just... Do something new. Mm-hmm. Do something fresh. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you look at what Christopher Nolan did... He didn't just stick with the Joker. Yes, he had the Joker, and he probably had what is the definitive Joker mm-hmm. with Heath Ledger. But rather than sticking with the Joker, you know, or or leaving the door open to bring the Joker back, he said, no. Done, Joker, moving on, next thing. So, you know, in the first one, you get Ra's al Ghul, you get a little bit of Scarecrow. In the second one, you get the Joker. A um, little bit of Two-Face. And then in the third one, you get Bane and, I guess, Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Mm-hmm. But basically, Bane is the main bad guy. Um, well, sort of. I was the visible bad guy, I guess <laughs> you could say. But, um, and honestly, I think Tom Hardy's Bane was every bit as good as Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, people are going to, you know, all the fanboys are going to be up in arms about that. Oh, my God, Tom Hardy was never near as good as Heath Ledger. He's great. He's spectacular as Bane. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they had done the sound a bit differently so they could actually understand his dialogue. <laughs> but um, he was he was really good, and I really liked Bane, and I really liked what they did with Bane. And having Batman, having Bruce Wayne go through a lot of, of the same tri- uh, trials and tribulations as, as Bane had, I thought was an interesting, you know... And so, it's just for some reason, the Joker has captivated American audiences. And so, DC, obviously, they, they realize that's a cash cow, and so they're just going to keep going back and tapping it. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, okay, I get from a money point of view, but, you know, so much other stuff out there to look at. Yeah. Why? Why? I mean, I'm, frankly, I'm getting a little tired of Batman anyways. I like the character. Um... I'm just, you know, I've seen the Batman origin story five billion times now. Yeah. Let's do something new, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, maybe I'm just cantankerous and cranky and old. I get, it, get accused of being that a lot. But um, I think I'm in the right in this in this particular scenario. Yeah. So, but Leo DiCaprio is the Joker. I'm in. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all. You know, I love Leo DiCaprio, and a lot of the stuff he's done with Scorsese has been spectacular. I mean, I'm particularly thinking about The, the Departed, mm. but Shutter Island Wolf had, its, Wall had its moments. Wolf of Wall Street was oh, pretty I love, good. I love Wolf of Wall Street. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. It was pretty good. 
Um, it was, I mean, a very, very solid film. Mostly I liked it because Jonah Hill. Oh, yeah. And Leo DiCaprio was awesome. He's awesome in everything. But Jonah Hill is really out of left field. I mean, the stuff he's done, Moneyball, mm-hmm. and then Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was so good as Donnie, the little dweeby <laughs> weirdo who marries his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and we'll keep you updated about that, because we've, we've talked about that a lot, so, um, alright, well, let's just move on to, uh, we got one listener question this week, so the filmbudspodcast at gmail.com is the address where you can reach us, we'd love to hear from you, always like hearing from people, and you can also reach us on Twitter, at the filmbuds, and then on Facebook as well, so, feel free to send us a message in any way that is easiest for you. I'm just curious, have we gotten any hate mail? Not yet. No? No hate mail yet. If you got hate mail, send it our way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be curious. I don't know what, I, you know, I'd just be curious what we'd be saying that stepping on people's toes that they get yeah. so riled up to send us hate mail. Yeah, well, yeah, if you got hate mail or if you have criticisms, please send us. We'd love to hear from you genuinely. We, we're curious, so. Okay, well, this one was actually on Twitter, so that's, and this is from uh, Treat Freak 1025. Treat Freak treat, treat. <laughs> Freak? Freak. Like, I'm a freak. Okay. Treat. Treat? Like a... Trick or treat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, Treat Freak 1025 says, Hey, hey, what is your your two or top favorite performances of the year so far? Or if not, or if you don't have that, of all time. Mine for this year would be Andy Serkis and War for the Planet of the Apes Mm -hmm. and Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell. Thanks so much for the show. Treat Freak to 25. <laughs> okay. Um, that's a tough one because there have been a lot of good performances. I mean, just even in the last few weeks, Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this week, Robert Pattinson really blew me away. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I have some here uh, written down. So Andy Circus was one for me mm-hmm. as Caesar. He's incredible. Yeah. And then uh, Charlie Hunnam in Lost City of Z. He's very good. And then Hugh Jackman in Logan. Right. Uh, Gal Gadot and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, Craig, Daniel Craig, Logan Lucky. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I know this is kind of a stretch. It's not like one of my favorite performances, but I really liked her. Cara Delevingne and Valerian. I really liked her. I didn't see that. It's good. I think I'm kind of happy I didn't see that. It's good. Is it? It's good. Oh, okay. Don't listen to Will. You're about the only person. Don't listen to Will. Okay. <laughs> um, but I really liked her in the movie, so... Um, and it's it's not an incredible performance, but I really enjoyed her. So, um, and then so as your brain as you're thinking, I'll read some others off of like all time performances. So, yeah. Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road, love her mm-hmm. as Furiosa. Uh, Brad Pitt in the assassination of Jesse James. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger as the dark uh, or in the Dark Knight. Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln. Um. Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Scarlett Johansson in Under the Skin, mm-hmm. and and then, of course, ones I mention all the time, so I won't say anything about it, but Rooney Mara and Numir Pass as Elizabeth Slander in Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, of all time and this year, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, because there's so many. I'd have to say... One of them would definitely be Leo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio, and for me, did The Departed. 
He's so good in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt Damon also. I mean, the two of them, just remarkable. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. I don't know. I mean, I, I it's, it's so hard to pick a few performances. I mean, the, the, the most recent stuff is really fresh in my mind. So, I mean, that's why I'm thinking Robert Pattinson in Good Time. Really, everybody should go. I mean, he's so good in it. Mm-hmm. It's really his performance is outstanding. Um, Jeremy Renner in Wind River, as yeah. I said, is really good. I like. I really liked Elizabeth Olsen in mm-hmm. that as well. Um, oh, anything over the summer? And oh, I would say Michael Fassbender and Alien Covenant for me. He played these two different performances, or he gave two different yeah, performances. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He was really good. Um, honestly, I'd have to say Numi Rapace in, in What Happened to Monday. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had completely forgotten about yeah. that. Yeah, of course. That's um, one of my favorites. Loved her in that. I'm just trying to think of, yeah. of other stuff that I've seen this year. I've seen a lot of stuff, and a lot of it has been condensed in the last few weeks. <laughs> so it's it's hard to... Uh... Oh, jeez. Um... Really like both Channing Tatum and uh, Daniel Craig and Logan Lucky. Oh, and Adam Driver. And Adam Driver as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the whole. I mean, you know, you get a Soderbergh film, you can just basically say, "I liked the cast." Yeah. I thought the whole cast was spectacular, and you're not. You know, that wouldn't be lying. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then uh, I'll I'll say I did like Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell as well. Um, Treat Freak Ten Twenty Five. I did like that. I didn't see that. It's Again, good. it's one of those things. It's just a personal. I refuse to see live, uh, live, live action adaptations of anime films because they're always terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, and uh, oh, I missed one on my list. Uh, so for all time, Johnny Depp and Ed Wood, loved loved him in that. He's amazing. Yeah, I have to give it up for that one. Now he was good in that, as was. Uh, Oh jeez, the actor who who just just died. Oh, uh, shoot. Um, he played Bella Lugosi yep. in it. Yeah, can't think of it. Ah. Um, oh, and then I would say also Joaquin Phoenix in Inherent Vice. He's absolutely hilarious. Oh, all time, <laughs> all time. Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the Master, the Master. Yeah. Amazing, Amy Adams in that as well. Oh, All yeah. three of them, yeah, command performances, absolutely astounding. It takes yeah. your breath away. That that film is just superlative. It's just so perfect. Yeah, we should do it's, a retro review of that. Yeah, sometime. I give it like five plus 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 <laughs> stars. I mean, it's, um, oh geez, I'm trying to remember everything. Pardon me, I'm looking through some stuff here. Uh, I did quite like Hugh Jackman. Um, and Logan thought mm-hmm. he was really good. I oh, really, and the girl, I can't remember her name, but I she can't was great. Either she she's was really great, good, though. and of course Patrick Stewart. Yeah, which I'm still Patrick Stewart should have gotten an Academy Award for Green Room. <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. he's good. That's another astounding performance. Yeah, in Green Room. Anton Yelchin, may he rest in peace, was also spectacular in that. Yeah, but Patrick Stewart was so good. Yeah. Um. Oh shit. And uh, um, yeah, but I had forgotten about Numir Pa. So yes, her and or and her all seven performances and what happened to Monday are is definitely one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that was thing of Dunkirk, but the while the performances are good, there aren't really ones that are like so incredibly nuanced that they're really worth mentioning. You know, they're all yeah. strong, but that's not really the point of the movie. But no, the performances are good, um, mostly for the 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 emotive aspect to them. They're not. Mm-hmm. It's not really you know. Here's Kenneth Branagh interacting with some guys. Isn't he spectacular? He's playing Shakespeare character. Yeah. No, it's it's they're all just. The characters are there, not really as throwaways, but as they're they're sort of background to the story and the visuals. Yeah. Um, well, excuse me. Um. Oh, and I would say Jude Law and King Arthur. I really liked him in King Arthur for the part that he was in. <laughs> I didn't see it, yeah. and I'm not going to see it. <laughs> uh, and that might be about it for what I have. I think there are definitely still some good performances to come. Yeah. Especially with some some of the indie movies coming out, so. Yeah, I mean, we've got the Oscar season coming up right now. Um, oh, shit. I'm just trying to think of other stuff that I've seen this year that really blew me away. Um, oh, God, I can't, I honestly can't remember. Um, Andy Circus, I thought, was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Uh it's amazing how he's able to 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 convey so much expression and so much emotional dynamism through CG characters. Yeah. Even though I know it's motion capture and all of that, it's still amazing to what see what they're able to do with his face yeah. and how he conveys emotion with his face and how that translates into into the characters in the film. It that is remarkable. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not big on the CG. I'll be the first to Avatar really drove me away just because, you know, giant cat people, giant blue cat people. But um, I think what Andy Serkis does is a little more subtle. If, yeah, oh, yeah, very, very subtle and nuanced. I, I yeah. think it's it's a really remarkable use of technology in that sense. So, um, Oh, shit, I don't know, though. I mean, damn it, I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff What about Woody there. Harrelson and Planet I liked him a lot in that as well, yeah. yeah. Or anyone in Spider-Man? Um, I mean, it was a good film. Would I say there were any oh, standout uh, performances? No. Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon in Guardians. <laughs> I love, I absolutely love his performance as Rocket He is Raccoon. good. I mean, I like his, 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 I like the voiceover work that he does as Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, the whole cast, it's good. But I don't know that there's really any standout performances. Um, I mean, if you're looking at those films, for me at least, um, the standout performances, to be totally honest, Chris Evans and, and, and Sebastian Stan. Yeah. And just the two of them working together as, as Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Captain Steve Rogers and Bucky Buchanan. Yeah. Um, I really like the two of them together. And I think they really capture um, those characters well. Yeah. Uh, but again, command performances, I don't know. Not really. Yeah. Um, buh, 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 buh. I can't think of anything really yeah. that has been. There have been some good performances this year, but nothing that really just like I watched it and it blew me away. Yeah. Um, again, not in the way that, that anything since, like, say, The Master did. Um, Again, one of the standouts I would have to say would definitely be Numi Rapace and what happened to Monday. I really liked her in that. And mm-hmm. just what she brought to each each one of those different sisters I thought was really good. Um, God, 
what what else if you can think of anything else let me know yeah and yeah i mean that's and if you have any uh thoughts let us know of course we'd like to hear your favorites as well yeah um but yeah so i mean i think we gave a pretty good and daniel craig is and what we had already touched touched on logan lucky so yeah but yeah so yeah let us know if you have any thoughts uh but hopefully that answers your question uh mr freak yeah <laughs> or mrs could be mrs could be mrs yeah i don't know treat freak 1025 yeah. i don't know unfortunately chloe isn't here to give her comments on yeah the the aggravation of not knowing if it's boy or girl yeah <laughs> she'd have some insight i'm sure yeah is that a, is that a gendered <laughs> handle for twitter or yeah. is that a non-gendered handle for twitter <laughs> who knows let us know uh all right well uh Oh, I just wanted to—I just wanted to throw out there because you had talked about doing a film, uh, sort of as a counterpoint to Good Time about sisters, right? And we discussed some of these films uh, about something that we could do as a retro review. Um, you talked about My Neighbor Totoro, mm-hmm. which is good, but the man that would have been a jarring <laughs> juxtaposition going from Good Time to My Neighbor to mm-hmm. a Miyazaki film. Yeah, um, but obviously the the. The sister, what do they call it? Fraternal, and then the something. I don't know. Yeah. But but um, if anybody out there, whoever's out there listening, if you can think of any good films, that would be a, a good sort of retro review in terms of like sister relationships. Yeah. Uh, excluding Hannah and her sisters, because we already thought about that. <laughs> and I also thought of the Virgin Suicides, the oh, Sofia yeah. Coppola movie. Yeah. And so right. there are a couple out there, but yeah, let us know because we are kind of struggling with that one. Uh, but yeah, that's another one we'd love to hear from you. So please genuinely uh, email us or message us in whatever way you would like. Uh, but yeah, at some point we should talk about a Miyazaki movie. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I do enjoy his films. And yeah, it's it's funny that Studio Ghibli. Now we should really discuss Disney and Disney eating up all the good. Uh, I know, seriously. Lucas Films, Marvel, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. God only knows. They also own Universal, I think, but Universal's not one of those little boutique studios. Right. Well, Lucasfilm isn't really a boutique studio. Marvel isn't really a boutique studio, but they did, if you catch my drift, they they built their names on one thing. Lucasfilm was Star Wars. Marvel was the Marvel Comics. Yeah. Uh, And Studio Ghibli was Miyazaki's films. So it's just interesting that Disney's buying up all these very sort of focused studio products i guess just because those products that those studios put out are so well received yeah so anywho yeah yeah, sister films yeah yeah let us know um no no sister act (laughs) i'm not watching that again (laughs) that's not happening (laughs) all right well let's uh i mean blood relations i'm not talking about sisters and god's love yeah all right We, we won't go into it on the show all right, well, let's move on to our uh, picks of the week. Don't have much else to really uh, talk about this week since it's just just the two of us, uh, and so we'll keep it relatively short. But uh, so picks of the week, uh, I'll say Ingrid goes west. You know, showed at Sundance. I wasn't able to see it, and saw it yesterday, and really enjoyed it. Very interesting satire and commentary on social media. Doesn't feel dated like a lot of movies that inject social media into their films or into their stories. Very charming and funny. Ingrid uh, or uh, Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth, Ol- Elizabeth Olsen are great together. And I think Plaza in particular is incredible in this. And uh, 
I think uh, it's de- it's definitely worth watching, and it may only be in theaters for maybe another week or so. And so yeah. definitely give it a look if you can. Well, it's not doing anything, but again, all these small sort of indie weirdo artsy fartsy films mm-hmm. they don't do much anymore yeah um so yeah that's that's in theaters right now so give it a look if you uh if it's around you so Braden, what about you i don't know i haven't really had the time to catch anything after uh sort of frying my brain on Soderbergh films last week because <laughs> i watched three of them back to back uh what was it last thursday before um, so then I worked over the weekend and I've been trying to, I am super, super excited about seeing the trip to Spain. Yeah. Um, I am too. that's, that's, that's on my radar and that's one thing that I definitely am going to catch. So I haven't seen it yet. I know, but I will see that by, before the next show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this counts for now or yeah, for next week. That works, but, yeah. Um, but that's what I'm really looking forward to is a trip to Spain because the, the first two films I really liked and I mean uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon together are great and they're a lot of fun and they're both really clever really really witty they work together so well play off each other the impersonations that they do mm-hmm. little vignettes and scenarios are so funny yeah and of course you know the food porn oh sure who, who doesn't love, love food, food porn. porn yeah um, but I think what, what really captivates me about the films is uh, even though they've got this sort of facade of you know charm and wit and and the interplay between Coogan and Bryden, which is remarkable. Um, there's a lot of sort of deeper undercurrents that sort of get lost in all of that about uh, aging and maturity and mm-hmm. being an adult and coping with responsibility, um, and those sorts of things sort of set in once in a while. And I think the these films really capture the notion that these two guys are doing this. Partly because it's fun, partly because they they do enjoy one another's company, but also largely because it's an escape for them from this reality of getting older and having children and coping with with career difficulties and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, and this one in particular, I think it'll be funny after watching, you know, Coogan after his success with Filmina, which is a spectacular film, by the way. Um, So, uh, watching... Watching Trip to Spain will be funny just because of all the jokes about that. So. Yeah. But um, that's what I'm super excited for. Yep. Uh, honestly, I can't think of much else that I've seen. I've been trying to pay attention to what's coming out on Netflix, but there hasn't been really too much exciting nah. or sexy coming out on Netflix no. lately. Nothing sexy. No. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what do we have coming up this Friday? It's coming out this yep. Friday, isn't it? Yeah. And then... Mother, the next week. Oh, Mother, the next week. And then the week after that is Kingsman. Kingsman, and then American Maid. Right. The next week. But I, I am kind of excited about American Maid. Yeah, me too. So, I kind of want to see it, but I don't know. Tommy C's back. Lovely guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, uh, I guess that about brings us to the end of the show. Um... But so thank you so much for joining us. And uh, so next week we are, like we've already said, we're going to be doing Stephen King's It, uh, and then we might find a think of a retro review to be maybe some other Stephen King adaptation. And if you have again, if you have any recommendations, let us know. We're always happy to hear from you. So, and we'll hopefully Chloe will be back, um, and maybe we'll get a guest on or two as well. 
You better be back. Somebody better be here. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's sick listening to me. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> uh, so, and again, you know, the Steven Sitterberg shows up. So the filmbuds.bandcamp.com uh, only costs a dollar. Get five Sitterberg movies. So feel free to give it a download. We hope you like it. And we always appreciate you sticking with us through all our weird little quirks and technical issues and all that stuff. So, um, trains. Yeah, and trains, which is I guess the second one that's happened in this yeah. in this show. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and until next week, see you later. What you want?